is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 66, operating on March 1st, 2021. This is Doug. I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two ab geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Drew, we're recording in person again. Where where are we? We're still on the East Coast, and we're at an ab geek mecca right now. It's the TWA Hotel at JFK. Yeah, what's outside the window? I mean, we're, we're not in the, the wing that overlooks the taxiway per se but we can see some tails out there we can see some tails and we see uh we have a great view of the terminal uh so this is a historic building uh that was uh created by aero saranen back in the 60s or in the 50s right maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah, in the late 50s. 50s you guys it's a beautiful building but it is tiny compared to airport terminals right now and just to think how this was so magnificent when it was built it's really small, but it is really beautiful. We've been walking all around it. And where were we just now? We're in the rooftop pool, which was, it was cold and it was foggy. The pool was heated. I feel like it probably could have been about five degrees warmer, but it was awesome up there seeing the planes come in. If you call yourself an ab geek, you have to come at some point. It's like staying in a museum, I would say, right? Yeah. And everything is done historically accurate, even down to like the carpet the colors, everything looks like we're in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's frozen in time. It's really cool. Yeah. Just when you come, don't uh, steal everything in the room because you have this urge to take all this stuff that says TWA. And they will charge you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we mentioned that Doug is on the East Coast. Doug, how'd you get out here? Yeah, I'm on a work trip right now. I flew into Philly on Wednesday. I was on Delta. flew A321 to Minneapolis and then a CRJ900. Shout out Nolan our resident CRJ, CRJ, CRJ fan. fan from uh, Minneapolis to Philly. The 900 is a lot better than the 200, I will say that. But I will say my boss was on the flight as well, and he made a comment about how tiny and not nice that airplane was compared to the 321 that we were on. So I was so the CRJ 900 is similar to the Embraer 190, right, in terms of... One se- 175. 175. Same num- okay. Yeah, same number of seats. It's a little bit... A little bit smaller on the inside, though. It just has a little bit smaller of a feel. The over, overhead bins are not as big as yeah. 175. 175 feels more like a mainline plane, okay. even though it's a regional. The CRJ900, you definitely can tell that you're on a regional. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I asked you when you were on that trip if it was mainline pilots because over at American, or is it... Um, they, were using Del- one, they were using 190s. American, 190s. It was 190s. Yeah, because yeah, I always think the CRJ700 kind of competes with the 175, mm. but you're saying even the CRJ900 is more yeah. similar to Yeah, the CRJ900 and 175 are both 76 seats, so they're, they compete with each other. Yeah, so it was, it was a good trip. Um, I'm out here actually for a couple of weeks for work, so I don't, I don't fly back uh, for a couple of weeks, but... This hotel is awesome, guys. I, I again, I'm sorry to to look away, but there's a Delta 767-400 that's climbing out, and it's finally sunny now that we got out of the rooftop pool, and the sun is just glistening off it. Yeah, I'd say compared to um, this, compares very well with Los Angeles, where there's a whole variety of planes. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is it's mostly wide body, really nice. And the TWA hotel, it overlooks like 
prime it has a prime view mm-hmm. of the international terminal so lots of interesting stuff yeah well moving on we started out february which is black history month by talking about the tuskegee airmen technically this episode is being released on the first day of march but we're recording february and we wanted to close out the month by celebrating another famous black aviator my wife and daughter were actually the ones who suggested that we discuss this topic on the show this week. So, Drew, what did we find? Well, so, Doug, I have heard of this person, but um, you know, thanks to you putting this together, I, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about her. So, her name is Bessie Coleman. A lot of people have not heard of her, but anyone who loves aviation should know about Bessie and her contributions to both aviation and equality. All right, so let's talk about her history and how she got into aviation. And, and Doug, just going through what you put together, I'm amazed at all the hurdles she had to go through yeah, to become definitely. a pilot. Yeah. But it shows how much tenacity she has. So going back, she was she was born in 1892. She was uh, mixed Native American and African American. She wanted to become a pilot after her brother's stories uh, from fighting in World War II. She applied for many schools in the U.S., but was turned down because she was a woman and a minority. She learned that she could attend flight school in France, but had to learn French first, which she did at night after work. Finally got accepted and trained at the School of Aviation in Le Crotoy, France. Yeah, she received her international pilot's license in June 1921 and became a stunt pilot in the U.S. She toured the country giving flight lessons and encouraged African Americans and women to learn how to fly. Fortunately, she was killed in a crash in 1926, but her legacy did live on. The Bessie Coleman Aero Club was formed in L.A. in 1929. It helped spur interest in aviation for groups like the Tuskegee Airmen, which we opened the month with. And she was eventually enshrined in the National Aviation Hall of Fame in 2006. You know, thankfully, we don't have to learn French to become a pilot anymore. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, English. So for the, the listeners who don't know, English is the worldwide official language, language. of aviation. Aviation. And okay. I think we have to go back and research that because I think it was almost, I want to say it was almost German. Yeah, I think it was It was after World War II that IATA, or uh, no, sorry, IKO came up with. Uh, I think it was actually almost French. Almost French. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to go and look. Marissa and your daughters brought this up. Were they, was she reading about? Yeah, so we, we got a black history book and it had a bunch of uh, like bios for, for kids about some people just throughout throughout history and they read this one and they both said to me that they thought that this would be a really good topic for us to talk about and it's it's just really cool to see what she did what she went through and if she hadn't been killed five years after she got her pilot's license it would be crazy to think what she could have accomplished even beyond that but her legacy definitely did start that wave of women aviators of minority aviators so it's it's really cool what she did yeah i could see this becoming a movie you know, all the stuff that she I'm went I'm surprised through. it hasn't. Yeah. I, at, to this point. Right. Yeah. Now, now that we've mentioned it, it will. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything, everything we mentioned becomes reality. <laughs> is, is that a good transition to talk about the, the bus thing? Yes. Doug, you actually called this probably six months ago. So what, what did we find out recently? I think it was actually on the Decade Prediction episode. So it was a year ago. But you sent me an article this week saying that United is running bus service from Denver to Breckenridge and to Fort Collins. Yep. So for, for the listeners who don't know, Breckenridge is a ski town. Fort Collins is just a, a town about an hour north of Denver. United is running, they're selling tickets to these two cities which do not have United service, and they're calling it airline service, and it's a bus. And from what I was seeing, I think they transfer on the ramp, right? Or, or somewhere close to it. So basically... Yeah. 
people land, and if you're on this transfer service to Breckenridge, mm-hmm. your bags get on the bus, you get on the bus, and it's it's a United livery on the it's bus. It's a United livery. It's painted as United. Well, yeah, and think about this. For these destinations that really aren't that far out, and I'm thinking about other cities like San Francisco to Sacramento, mm-hmm. the bus will take you into the city. Mm-hmm. So the plane might get you there faster, but now you have to rent a car, you have to get an Uber, whereas the bus is going to take you straight to where you're going. So... This is something for the airlines to look at if something's for these flights that are two hours long. No, yeah, it, no, it, uh, United saying it's a pilot program, and if it works well, they're going to use it in other cities, uh, like especially around Chicago. They're saying some of the, the smaller Midwest cities around Chicago that can't really sustain flights, regional flights, and especially with some of the regional flights going away. Yeah, And Drew, we've talked about this multiple times. The pilot shortage is still a real thing. It was just delayed because of COVID. It's going to be worse than it was a couple of years ago in another year or two. This is a way that they can get around the pilot crisis is using buses for some of the some of the markets that had previously had regional jets that just didn't make sense. Like Houston to Lake Charles, Louisiana, things Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, there are lists of probably 100 plus places. Washington to Richmond. Exactly. where, Where something like this would work. So it's it's pretty cool to see that what we talked about is actually starting to become a reality. Let's jump into some news stories so that we can continue enjoying TWA Hotel. I think we're going to go grab dinner uh, overlooking the Lockheed Constellation out there. So let's let's move on. I think we have an update on the 777, right? Yeah, we have an update on the 777 from last week. This is from CNN. Airlines ground dozens of Boeing 777 planes after engine failure over Denver. So all the Pratt & Whitney 4000 powered 777s were grounded upon Boeing's recommendation. The FAA issued an emergency order to step up engine inspections. 69 planes in active service with United, Korean, Asiana, ANA, and JAL have been grounded. 59 are currently in storage. There's a relatively small impact to an airplane that has produced more than 1,500 frames. Initial NTSB findings show that a blade may have been cracked, which led to the uncontained engine failure. Boeing and Pratt & Whitney have said they are comp- cooperating with the investigation. Before we go on to the media headlines, Doug, I don't want to say thanks to COVID, but because of COVID and lower demand, we're not seeing a huge effect from this. Mm-hmm. A lot of these 777s are in storage anyway. Mm-hmm. There are 777s in storage that have GE engines that airlines could, could swap, swap things out. out. Yeah. I, I was reading this morning, though, that United is saying that they their 777 plan for the 777s for March before this, it mm-hmm. was like a 40-some percent increase in 777 flying in March, in March. To, to keep up with that spring break demand with the ski travel demand yeah tsa numbers are back up over a million pretty consistently people are starting to travel more and we'll we'll talk about our flights on an extra section but we can say our flight up from miami this morning did not have a single empty seat on it no and um our i think your flights coming to the east coast were generally generally full full. yeah uh, yeah yeah definitely so I, i mean this does impact a little bit again if it was not during covid time the impact would be a lot worse than what it is right now. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's talk about some of the horrible headlines. <laughs> These are awful. Oh. The, the this one I think is the one that that's probably the best, and it's become a joke now among pilot circles. And <laughs> I've even seen T-shirts about this. But the Daily Beast's headline was "Mayday, Heavy Mayday," and let, let me let me Completely give some, out of some context back, some backstory on this. The it was what uh, United three twenty eight, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. 
It's a triple seven, which is a heavy airplane, which is any airplane over 300,000 pounds. So when the pilots are talking to air traffic control, we have to say heavy at the end of the call sign. Yeah. The pilots said United 328 heavy mayday mayday. Someone somewhere was listening to ATC after the fact and they heard them call heavy mayday and they fo- they <laughs> focused on this and they said it was so bad that they called a heavy mayday which is way higher which than is way a higher mayday. than just a regular mayday. <laughs> that is not a thing. A heavy mayday <laughs> is not a thing at all. <laughs> but the media just fixated on this yeah the other thing we saw was uh a new york new york magazine <laughs> said ancient triple seven strews debris over colorado and it's like airplanes airplanes are aged on cycles that's mm-hmm. not how old the plane is so to say ancient yeah well and uh we were on a, a pretty ancient airplane today <laughs> and it had brand new interior mm-hmm. it, it doesn't as long as the maintenance is, is being kept up with it it doesn't matter how old it is and i think you were you were saying the 757s i flew on right before christmas were if this airplane was ancient from the late 80s from the late 80s yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah i saw one media report initially and i went back to see if i could find it again but they obviously corrected it um it it said all triple sevens are ground. oh that's right i forgot to put that one in (laughs) yep yep oh it's it's so bad and it, it just makes you wonder, uh, not to rag on any specific media outlet, but when you have their aviation experts and then it gives their credentials, it's like the resident aviation expert for X network, and it says private pilot. Yeah. They have their private pilot's license. I, I get it. They're probably more qualified to speak on it than non pilots yeah but they are so much less qualified to speak on it than any anyone in the industry like this how hard is it to just vet to vet the info well what they have to do is they have to hire us so they (laughs) they need to each of these news um media sources needs to have a resident av geek or av geeks to just double check their work Mm -hmm. because it goes out it makes them look silly and then they have to correct it one more thing you know we talk a lot about airplanes but not so much about engines. So our friend Greg, who's a freak about, he's an engineer, he loves engines. This engine, the Pratt & Whitney 4000, I've been, those have been taking me all over the world for 20 safely. to 20, safely, yep. 20 to 25 years, because the airline that I work for, most of the 777s have Pratt & Whitney 4000 engines, mm-hmm. and I've always felt safe. So now they ha- they're running into some issues, so hopefully they resolve it quickly, but in general... I've flown on Pratt and Whitney powered airplanes my whole life. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to another pretty somber topic. Reuters reports that the U.S. airline passenger traffic in 2020 fell to the lowest number since 1984, and that's per Department of Transportation data. Passenger traffic fell 60.1% overall, with domestic down 58.7% and international down 70.4%. Before we go on to, to more of the numbers, that international traffic kind of struck me. I thought that it would be higher, like a higher percentage. 70 seems like 30% of the traffic was still flying. So you're saying that 30% of the traffic is flying now? Yeah, but and I, I figured it would be less. You I, know, I thought it would have been down more because they canceled Europe, they canceled right. Asia, most of South America. So I don't know if it's just the uptick in the Caribbean flying and Mexico, I was say. things like that. Yeah, I mean, airlines are flying 777s to Cancun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe that's covering some yeah. of it. Yeah, and, and we also have to keep in mind that a lot of the shutdowns didn't actually start until March, sometime in March. Now, Asia was down a little bit in January and February last year, but a lot of this didn't really start until March. And so I guess there were two months of the year 
that we did have normal European traffic and yeah. South American traffic, etc. Yeah, that's true. But this percentage drop equates to 368 million passengers total, and that's down from 922.6 million in 2019. It's the lowest since 351.6 million flew in 1984. Hmm. Recent weeks have seen an uptick in TSA screenings. They've been topping a million the past few Fridays and Sundays and even Thursday of this week. NBC News reported that travel agencies, cruise lines, and airlines are gearing up for rebound in bookings. The dropping coronavirus cases, increasing vaccination rates, are driving increased demand. In fact, a TripAdvisor survey says that 80% of U.S. consumers plan to take at least one overnight domestic trip this year, and a third say that they will take at least three trips. That's all really good info, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're definitely seeing the traffic come up slowly, and especially with these vaccines. These vaccines are working, so you're going to see more restrictions lifted soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that pent up demand that we've been talking about. Yeah. All right, Doug. Mexico City has been building a new airport for years now. Uh, this news story is from Mexico News Daily. Federal auditor's estimate of new Mexico City airport cancellation cost is three times higher than government's. So this audit predicts that the cost of scrapping the project will prove higher than actually building it. Mexico City began building a brand new airport in the middle of last decade. The new Mexican president, Lopez Obrador, canceled it in 2018. He said it was way too expensive and was fraught with corruption. The audit says it will cost more than 500 and I'm sorry, 332 billion pesos or 16 billion US dollars to cancel the project. Doug, where do they go from here? I think they have to keep going. I, I've never flown through Mexico City, but everyone who I know that has said that says that the airport is just way too small for mm-hmm. what they're doing. And I know Aeromexico pre-COVID was really trying to build up Mexico City to compete with like Copa and Panama City and, and kind of be that north-south hub like yeah. that. If, if it is truly going to cost more to scrap the project, just keep going with it. What, but it, it may also be a shrewd move on his part to lower the costs. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to pull the rug, all these vendors and contractors are going to come back and say, okay, we, let's reduce the price a little bit to yeah. keep this moving. So just real quick, this, ha- this is happening right now in my neighborhood. So in the D.C. area, we have the metro, and you have all these colors, the blue line, the mm-hmm. silver line. They're building the purple line, which will go right by my house. It's more of a light rail than the metro. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the project stopped because it was too expensive. The governor thought it was too expensive. But now they're renegotiating, and it's continuing again. So maybe it was a good thing because mm-hmm. now it makes everyone be more efficient. Yeah. Well, I, I do know that uh, like Delta and American have been spending billions of dollars in new airport construction, like in L.A., JFK, other places around the U.S. Yeah. And I, I, I remember reading basically after the, the pandemic started that all those airlines who are, who are doing these big capital construction projects were mm-hmm. able to lower the rates substantially. Yeah. And they're getting, they're getting things done ahead of time right now because they don't have as many passengers and planes going through. Yeah. So maybe this is something that, that actually will save. I, I'm not saying it's COVID-related, but hopefully this, is, this audit is something that will save that, that new airport. But before we started recording, you brought up the fact, you asked me if Beijing's new airport was open. And I said, yeah, it is. And China's building dozens of, of oh, they're banging them out left enormous right. brand new airports. Mm-hmm. And, and what were the examples you used in the U.S. too? Oh, so we're at the TWA Hotel. So when this airport was built in the 60s, 50s or 60s, so was Washington Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas-Fort Worth was built in the late 60s. We were banging them out. Mm-hmm. 
That's what China is doing now. That's what India is doing. They're yep. building a lot of airports. It can be done. It's just, you know, the way that it's the way that countries choose to do it. You mm-hmm. know? But um, what did we talk about in the last episode? So a crisis is a horrible thing to waste. <laughs> yeah. Now is not the time to cancel these projects because right now interest rates are low. Labor is cheap. Now is the time to get this stuff done. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure that project will continue. All right, moving on to the last news story, and this is from Airways Magazine. It says, Singapore Airlines to continue revamping A330 fleet. Just as a backstory, many airlines around the world have retired the A330 during the pandemic. It's the largest passenger airplane in operation. Singapore, on the other hand, is pressing ahead with a cabin refresh on its 12 remaining A380s, which will include new first-class suites that have double beds, and they're going to have new business-class seats. Singapore was launched customer for the A380 in 2007. This investment shows that some airlines are still set on a true first class because a lot of airlines around the world have been taking first class out in favor of just more business class seats. Mm -hmm. And this also shows that someone other than Emirates is going to continue operating the A380 for at least the medium term. Who knows how long they'll do this, but if they're still paying for these, these refreshes... And Singapore, of all the airlines around the world, is struggling more than most financially just because of the restrictions there. Right. So if they're still spending the money to, to upgrade these, they must see a future for first class and the A380. Yeah. Who knows if they'll have the same number of A380s? I would say that they won't. But they are going to have maybe five or ten routes where this plane can perform. Mm-hmm. So you have a signature route from London to Singapore. I bet you that's going to be back to an A380. Perhaps Singapore to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Some um, of the high density. Some of the high density. Singapore to Sydney. I was going to say, yeah, somewhere in Australia. Possibly Melbourne as well. Yeah. yeah. And they'll be able to offer a product better than everyone else's with a lot of cho- with the choice of first class. So I've flown the Singapore A380. It's a magnificent airplane. And I flew the one that hadn't been refurbished. Mm-hmm. And it was still awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's good news. And you're the Delta guy, right? <laughs> Delta is continuing to upgrade their fleet during mm-hmm. this crisis. Mm-hmm. Airlines aren't, when we come out of this, all these airlines, a lot of them want to be in good shape or they want to be able to have a leading product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they're trying to position themselves to be ahead of the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, it, it goes back to that never waste a, a crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that's going to become a theme we talked about it, what, probably a month ago about how airlines are, they, for most of 2020, they were taking the same path for the most part. And now we're getting to the point where we're seeing this big split in how airlines are are recovering and what they're doing heading to the future. Yeah. And those that are taking this path, I feel like are going to emerge stronger and better than the airlines who are still cowering in fear, saying, we don't know what the future holds. We're not going to mm-hmm. do anything like this. So a couple of years from now, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if these were the right decisions, which I, I believe that they probably will be. Yeah, It costs a little, little bit of money, but you're holding on to those customers because the customers are seeing that you're not lowering the standard during the crisis, right? They're going to go with the airlines that are offering, that are putting their best foot forward. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're not going to mention our trip in this episode. Sorry, you'll just have to wait, but it'll be worth it. What we can say is that we flew from Miami up to JFK this morning. That got us thinking about our ops topic for this week, which was something we talked about doing several episodes back. That is to talk about aircraft communications, 
especially after the heavy Mayday debacle in the media. Doug, walk us through our flight yesterday and explain to the listeners who the pilots were talking to and what they were saying. It starts out with what's called clearance delivery and sometimes you the pilots don't have to talk to clearance delivery they can just text it and they can get it but basically that's that is the air traffic control that gives the flight plan they they tell you hey this is what you're filed and then they might have to talk to ramp control so at a busy airport like miami this morning there probably was a separate frequency for ramp control and then they would talk to ground and then they would talk to tower so before they even take the runway and get airborne They've probably talked to four different frequencies, four different people. Let me stop you for just a moment. Yeah. Okay. So when you're talking about the town, ta- when you're when they're calling for clearance delivery, mm-hmm. which body are they calling? It's it's just a part of air traffic control. So it's a FAA. It's, it, it, yes. Yeah. And ramp control is almost always the airport. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. Okay. And just really quick, being a ops guy. So we at our airport, the pilots will talk to ramp control mm-hmm. for push clearance. Then as they approach the runways, they'll switch to the FAA tower. Mm-hmm. Some people think it's both the same. They're different. Totally different. Yeah. And tower. So Miami there and, and actually most major airports, there are different tower frequencies based on which runway you're yeah. on. So in Miami this morning, we took off on the south runway, which most likely had a different frequency than the, the north runway. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's a pretty common thing, especially at large airports like Miami, JFK, LAX, Chicago, all of those. Dulles probably has multiple frequencies for tower as well. So then they talk to tower. Uh, as they're climbing out, they get switched to Miami departure. And sometimes you end up talking to two different departure frequencies as you're climbing out. It just depends on your route of flight. The controllers have mm-hmm. a, a screen that they see where you're at, and they know where their airspace ends, and then they, they transfer you to the next controller. Okay, so you don't need to know what you the next... They mm, will just tell you the tell frequency. You. Mm-hmm. Yep, so okay. ETC will say... So at, at, let's let's take this for the example. After departure, then they would talk to Miami Center, likely Miami Center low. They wouldn't say low, but they're yeah. different. There's high and low center. So the the controller would say... American flight 123 contact Miami Center on 123.4. Mm-hmm. So they give you the frequency, they tell you to switch and then you you plug it in, switch over and then the pilots will check in with the uh, with the next controller. Usually the the low to high switchover, the changeover point is 23,000 feet. Mm. Could vary a little bit between centers, but then as we're climbing out, then they'll talk to Miami Center the high frequency and then they probably before we left Miami they probably talked to yet a third controller because the controller is only actually, even though Miami Center is very large, there are probably six, seven, maybe 10 different sectors within Miami. So if you fly from one part of Miami Center to the other, you might talk to like four different people while you're in that center. That's crazy. So this is, um, well, let's let's finish because I have uh, so many okay. questions. Yeah, so, so <laughs> after Miami Center, then they talked to Jacksonville. And I was looking at the map to figure this out because the flight actually took us like 300 miles off the coast of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, before we then hit the coast again in uh, like over North Carolina, eastern North Carolina. So I was curious if we talked to New York Oceanic because mm-hmm. we were out over the water. Yeah. And I looked at the chart and we actually were we were still too close in to talk to New York Oceanic. Okay. So we were still talking to Miami and then Jacksonville. But if we had gone to say Bermuda or if we'd taken off from Miami and we were going over to Europe, 
once you get far enough off the coast, your VHF radios, which stands for very high frequency, can't reach very far. So it can't reach the coast. At that point, then, we actually use satellite radio and high-frequency radios, but the SATCOMs were able to then text with ATC. So we may not talk to a single person on the radio for the entire oceanic crossing. If we're going from Miami to, say, Madrid, we would just be texting via satellite radio. Our our positions, frequency changes, all of that. From Jacksonville, it was Washington Center and then New York Center. Again, within Washington and New York, and probably even Jacksonville, probably two or three different frequency changes as as we flew through those centers, and then on on arrival into here into JFK, then you then they were talking to New York arrival, possibly two, maybe three frequencies as we were coming in, and then JFK tower, JFK ground, and then ramp control. If we if we count these up, I mean it's probably a, a two dozen different frequencies for a two and a half hour flight of different people these pilots were talking to. Okay, so first of all, looking at this from a non-pilot perspective, it just seems very inefficient. The question, what I'm thinking in my head is with all this GPS technology, Mm -hmm. everyone knows where everyone else is. There was a discussion of something called free flight where you would plot your flight plan if it doesn't conflict with anyone else's, Mm -hmm. you're good. That seems to always fall by the wayside. Is it because the no, FAA... So they are working on that, but that doesn't necessarily have to do with who you're, who you're talking to. Um, what they are heading toward, and Europe has been doing this for a while, Canada has been doing this for a while, and, and the U.S. is finally getting on board with it, is I talked about that satellite communication, yeah. and that's it's called CPDLC. Right. They are doing a domestic CPDLC now. So it's awesome. When I fly from the West Coast up to Alaska, as soon as we cross the border into Canada, we log into CPDLC, and we may not talk to a single person in Canada. It's all just via text. We'll get a little message. It says, hey, and we're still listening to the radios. It'll tell us to monitor whatever the the next frequency is. Okay. But we don't have to check in because we're responding via the, the SATCOMs. That's in Canada. We don't do that here. We are doing that now. We're we're starting to roll that out. But the thing is, a lot of airplanes aren't CPDLC equipped. Yeah. Mine wasn't until a couple years ago. I think most of the regional airplanes probably don't. Some of the older 737s probably don't have it. So that's why we still have some of these voice things. But we are moving to that that texting capability where you don't have to talk to all these different people. Okay. Now... My other question is, this seems like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So there's usually only two pilots. When do they have time to fly the plane? <laughs> I mean, it seems like they're yeah. constantly talking to people. Yeah, yeah. So usually, or, or I mean, the, the way we do it is the pilot monitoring to so the pilot who is not actively flying the airplane. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are talking on the radio. And it does seem like a lot of work, but it's a very quick call. Okay. So, so it, it'll sound like this. And it'll say, American 123, contact New York on 121.4. You say American 123, 121.4, we'll see you punch it in, switch it over, say New York, American 123, level 350. That's it. it okay. it's, a, it's very it's very quick, very succinct. And the reason why there are all these different frequency changes is because they're ground stations. And the VHF radio can only stretch 150-some-odd miles. Mm-hmm. And so as, as you get out of range of that ground station... That's why you have to switch to different frequencies because it, it doesn't stretch as far as the like the entire Miami Center. Let's say it's okay. all based on those those ground stations. Now, how do you decide who does the radios, or do you, do you have some kind of communication where you say you have the radios? 
if if you're the pilot who is flying, you don't do the radios. But how do you how do you? I I don't know I, I don't know how the airlines do it. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's just we'll we'll usually split the time in half. Like half the flight time, you'll be the pilot flying. Half okay. the flight time, you'll be the pilot monitoring. Or you, I've seen it done before where you alternate flights. So one person flies the entire flight, and the other person talks on the radios, and uh-huh. then the next flight you switch. There is no rhyme or reason. Each airline probably has their own standard operating procedures for how yeah. they do that. We can we can do whatever we want. And then there there are random times, like when the other pilot has to get up and use the lav or something like that, yeah. where the pilot flying does have to talk on the radio. But because we have the automation on, we're, we're monitoring autopilot, auto throttles, etc., it really doesn't distract us at all from the flying to switch over to talk on the radios and... and talk to etc yeah yeah no pretty cool you know the airline that i work for has a channel where you can listen to the atc channel nine channel right? nine yeah. and it is so much fun to listen to it's not always on i remember listening to it um, as we were descending into india and it was so cool because it's a completely another country mm-hmm. but the pilots and the controllers are communicating very easily mm-hmm. you know even though they're on the other side of the world yeah yeah, it's so nice to see that these processes continue in aviation wherever you are. Well, it's been several episodes since we last thanked our listeners for their reviews. Drew, we received some great feedback this week. Yeah, we did. Uh, first, we received another five-star review on Apple Podcasts from, quote, CRJ lover Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> We've mentioned him a few times, and Nolan was on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he wrote a nice review. He He wrote... These guys have an awesome blend of funny and informative intel in the non-rev airline and aviation world. Get the perspective of an ops agent as well as a pilot in the U.S. Air Force. 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, (laughs) Nolan, for the kind words. And sorry that we rag on the CRJ as much as we do. We even did it on this episode. We apologize. But we'll have to meet up sometime. We can do a CRJ trip. Possibly Delta's retirement in 2025. They're they're going to be retiring the CRJ 200. Not that I'm counting down the days for that. <laughs> Drew, we also received some great feedback on Instagram from a listener in Boston. Yes, um, this is from a listener named Noah. Uh, Noah, thanks for, thanks for this review. He said, uh, love you guys. And uh, we, this was his response to our last segment about Boston and all the traffic there. We were talking about United Star- starting service from Boston to London and JetBlue star- possibly starting mm-hmm. service to, Lon- to London. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of good stuff, and he reminds us that Boston is actually a hotbed, if you will, of airline activity, so there's a lot of competition. There's One World activity, there's Star Alliance, there's Sky Team. Boston used to be an American hub. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. So And British Airways is, of course, big there, so strong One World hub. Delta is now it's a, it's a hub the now primary for Delta. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of competition. Delta just put in their 767 400s mm-hmm. with their new Delta 1 product and now British Airways is coming in with an A350 mm-hmm. to combat that. So very interesting market. Um Noah, thanks for the input and uh we may need to have him on the show. He knows so, he's not an airline employee, mm-hmm. but he's completely engaged in in that market and what's going on. Yeah, and you and I don't have a lot of experience. No, flying no, we Boston. don't. No, so thank you so much for that. That's awesome. And uh, all the other listeners, please, if if we say something either incorrect or if you have additional information to give us, please let us know because we're like it's it's really good info to get and to get this feedback. So thank you very much, Noah. 
All right, before we go, we have a couple of house cleaning items to talk about. Really apologize on my end for the poor sound quality last week. And I know Drew says that he didn't think that it sounded <laughs> I that thought it was bad. Fine. But listening back to it while I was doing the edits, it just it to me it just didn't sound very good. So I need to find a more permanent solution for my new echoey house than to put an area rug in the recording room every time I record. If you have any ideas, please reach out. If if you have issues with work from home Zoom calls and it echoes and you've figured out a solution, let me know. But in the meantime, I'll be looking into it. And we also apologize if you had issues downloading the last couple of episodes. The podcast hosting website uh, had several days of disruptions that might have impacted your ability to listen. But it seems like, as far as we've seen the last few days, things have cleared up. So hopefully it'll be smooth flying from here. Yeah, and also if you're trying to find us, just go to nexttripnetwork.com. We'll usually have more than one place where you can listen to it. To our listeners, um, once again, this podcast is your show, so go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at nexttrippodcast. And if you enjoy the content, which we hope you do, please tell your friends about this podcast. It will help us reach and educate more people about the amazing world of aviation. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay aviation tough. Drew, should we go to the lounge for some some food and drinks at the TWA Hotel? Yeah, let's go to the lounge. And we may have to go to the rooftop pool again. I think so. The sun is out. I, we, we, I think we should we should see what the uh, what the wait time is at the lounge and then maybe head up to the head up to the deck. Yeah. All right, let's do it. All right. See you guys. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show.